Let's go. Yes, come on. UConn, what a win. What a fucking win. What an incredible effort. What an atmosphere. What a play call. What a shot. RJ Cole, my man. That's why I have the cold-blooded on today. Oh, we have so much to talk about from last night's win over Villanova. Uh, and I have a special segment at the end of the show from last night's After Dark that I recorded with Randolph Childress and Kevin Sweeney. Uh, definitely need to play that for you guys. But first, the housekeeping. This is Top Dogs. This is the UConn podcast on the Field of 68 Network. My name is Rob Doster, and we are coming off of what is definitively the best week of the UConn basketball season. In the last six days, the Huskies have knocked off Xavier. They've knocked off Seton Hall. And last night, they beat number eight Villanova, 71 to 69 in the Hartford Civic Center. And yes, I am always going to call it the Hartford Civic Center. Uh, they put themselves in a position right now to one... UConn has put themselves in a position where a top four seed is not out of the question. Think about it like this. UConn right now is number 17 on Kempo. Right now, they are number 16 in the net. That's after beating Villanova. They were a five seed on bracket matrix before beating Villanova. They are right behind Texas and Alabama and Ohio State and Houston. And those are four teams that could end up falling off at some point down the stretch of the regular season. There is room to climb, and there are three winnable games, albeit tougher than you probably think, particularly with Creighton on the road. Uh, there's a good chance that UConn can become a top four seed, if not a top three seed, when things are all said and done and the bracket is revealed. But most importantly, I think that it, this is worth mentioning. UConn is peaking at the exact right time. And I'll get into that in a minute. Before I do, we got to talk about what happened on Tuesday night, man, because it was one of the most memorable and enjoyable UConn games that I can recall. Certainly the best uh, since they've returned to the Big East Conference. The Hartford Civic Center, which is what I am going to call it in perpetuity, was a cauldron last night. I wasn't there, but on TV, it sounded like they were, it, it sounded like a plane was taking off inside of the building. My man, Matt Norlander, was there, and he said that it sounded like a rock concert in the building. The best teams in college basketball play in front of the rowdiest crowds. The reason why Kansas won 100 straight Big 12 titles is that Fog Allen is a fortress. That's what the Civic Center was last night. Shout out to everyone that showed up. Shout out to everyone that showed out. Because I cannot remember the last time that a UConn home game had an environment quite like that. What was it? Maybe Texas, uh, when Texas came as the number one team to gamble. Um, maybe it was... Uh, in Madison Square Garden in 2014 when, when UConn beat Michigan State for the right to go to the Final Four. I don't know. It's been a long, long time, and it was great to see uh, a UConn home game be what it was supposed to be again. Um, now, before we get into what it actually means and how the game ended, I, I do think we need to first talk about Danny Hurley, Kamani Young, and everything that happened with that coaching staff. Um, that was not the greatest situation in the world. For those that missed it, uh, Hurley was pissed about calls on back-to-back -back possessions. And after Tyrese Martin was fouled on a missed layup, uh, he smacked the scorer's table, which is enough to get yourself a technical foul. He was upset that he got that T, which I do believe in a moment of honesty, he would probably say that he deserved. Uh, and after letting official James Breeding hear about it, he turned to the crown behind the bench and waved his arms to get them fired up, to get them riled up. Uh, this resulted in breeding, hitting him with a second tee. And 
Dan Hurley was ejected. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. For starters, uh, breeding is not exactly the most well-liked official in college basketball. After the ejection, I was texted by a number of coaches about him. Uh, one called him the biggest dick in the officiating ranks. Another said that he's oversensitive and he over-officiates. Uh, another one told me that he is the worst official that I've ever seen. Um, and I'm sure that's just the people that breeding is pissed off. And I'm sure that there are plenty of coaches out there that think that he is good enough. Uh, but there do seem to be quite a few people that are willing to reach out to me to tell me how much they dislike James breeding as a referee. And uh, that, that is not something that I've had um, happen to me before. Uh, I also think it's important to say this. Um, Dan Hurley is not exactly the most popular coach among officials. He is constantly on them, constantly cussing them out, constantly working them, constantly wearing them out. Uh, and if you've seen him in the heat of a game, he's not exactly doing this in the most nonchalant manner. So I do think that it cuts both ways here. Um, this is how I will sum it all up. Hurley did not deserve to be ejected for what he did last night. The first tech was probably deserved. The second one was soft as hell. Uh, but coaches and officials... They, they have a working relationship, right? You're going to see these guys over and over and over again. This was the fourth time that Breeding has refereed a UConn game this season. And I'm sure that at the end of a long and grinding season, he is tired of Dan Hurley's sideline antics. Uh, this ejection to me was a cumulative kind of a thing. In other words, Breeding said, I'm sick of your shit. Go home, Dan. Now, I think that's wrong. I think that officials should be above that. Uh, at the same time, I do think that there is reason to be critical of Hurley because of what happened. The sideline antics, while loved by UConn fans, while uh, I do think it's something that that this fan base and this program embraces. I mean, look, we put up with Jim Calhoun for how long, man? He was a maniac as well. Um, but doing it the way that he does, it puts himself at risk of being run and being tossed because one grumpy official is, is over dealing with him. Um, this isn't just basketball, you know, it's, it's not just sports, uh, success in any walk of life hinges on the ability to navigate working relationships with a wide range of people. Um, losing that with officials is not going to be a positive thing. Now, to be clear, I think that James breeding was wrong to eject Dan Hurley last night, but Danley Hurley put himself in this position to be ejected when he didn't deserve it. No one's perfect. Uh, but I do think that is something that he probably needs to work on, right? Don't be referee enemy number one. You don't want to be that guy because you're going to put yourself in these situations again. Uh, but this also did allow for Kamani Young to shine. And, and man, did he ever shine last night. His ability to calm the team down after the two technical fouls allowed Villanova to go on their 6-0 run. Um, his ability to provide an, an, an air of confidence and an air of composure. Uh, he pressed all the right buttons in the second half. But most importantly, uh, he did three things in the final 35 seconds that I thought were just tremendous. The first was the set that he dialed up for Tyler Polly to get that open three, right? That was beautiful. Uh, that was quintessential UConn in 2022. They ran a whole bunch of false motion. They had a whole bunch of dribble screens, and it all ended up in Tyler Polly running off of a screen, taking a dribble into a wide open three, and knocking it down. Uh, the second thing that he did fantastic was he, after calling the timeout with 26 seconds left to set up that poly three, he had his guys immediately ready to trap. And that press and that trap coming off of a made shot allowed them to be able to force that jump ball and force that turnover that got the ball back down by one with 17 seconds left. And the number three thing was the play that he drew up for, for RJ at the end. There was a lot of false motion, uh, but again, 
what it ended up with was RJ Cole with the Donald Sonogo in an open side ball screen. RJ turned down the screen, went to his right, got to the basket, finished a tough floater with his right hand. Uh, and man, again, cold blooded baby. Um, on the final Villanova possession, got to give a shout out to RJ again. He drew that charge on Colin Gillespie. Cole fucking blooded. Let's go. There's a reason I have this shirt on right now. And that leads me to my next point. Late game execution. It's not a secret at all that this is the issue that UConn has been dealing with all season long. The difference between UConn and Providence right now in this very moment, the reason why the Friars are in a position to win the Big East regular season title and why UConn is three games out of first place is late game execution. I don't need to rehash it. I don't want to go down that road. None of us needs that right now. This is a celebratory podcast. But I will say this. The Huskies found a way to dig out a win that they weren't supposed to win. They were supposed to lose this game, and that is what great teams do. They did it against St. John's last Sunday. Uh, they did it against Villanova on Tuesday. Some of that is a, definitely a result of confidence, right? It's a result of being able to execute uh, in the moment. Some of that is just their, their shots at the end of a game went down these last two times that they had close games. Uh, didn't go down the first couple times they played close games. Some of it is just dudes making plays, man. Like at the end of the day, RJ Cole made three huge plays in the final 20 seconds of that game. RJ Cole's a stud. Cole blooded. I don't need to keep berating that point. But whatever it is and however you want to frame it, UConn did what they needed to do to get a win on Tuesday night. They won ugly. They got it done. That is what great teams do. Now, when you combine that, with the fact that the, the, the wins over Seton Hall and Xavier, the other thing that they've been struggling with, uh, it really does feel like this team is hitting their ceiling at the perfect time. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago, but one of the biggest concerns I had with UConn was that they couldn't turn like their four nothing runs into 10 0 or 12 0 runs, right? They couldn't take those four minutes when they didn't give up a bucket and use it to create a double digit lead. Um, they couldn't turn a three-point lead into a 13-point lead. They couldn't pull away from teams, which is why they found themselves in so many close games on the stretch against teams that aren't uh, as talented or as good as them. Um, in the second half against Seton Hall, I thought was one of their best halves of basketball this season. They pulled away and they put that game away, and, and they did it uh, playing quintessential UConn basketball. In the first half against Xavier, they opened up a lead that was big enough. I think they were up 17 at the half that they played like shit for the first 10 minutes of the second half, and it didn't matter. Uh, Xavier was never able to get within one possession. Um, that's what UConn needs to be able to do. They need to be able to get that those, those leads that are big enough that they can play like ass and still win for certain stretches of the game. Now, uh, they've been able to do that for the last couple of games. They've been able to win close games the last few times they played close games. They're now on a four-game winning streak. We got Georgetown on the road. We got Creighton on the road. Uh, so now's the time. Now's the time to make your run. Finish the finish the regular season on a seven-game winning streak. Um, before we move on and start looking forward, though, I, I do want to let you guys listen to uh, the UConn segment from the After Dark podcast last night. So we're going to drop that in right here. But before we do any of that, gentlemen, we need to talk about those UConn Huskies. They knocked off Villanova tonight, seventy-one to sixty-nine, in a game where they trailed by four points. 
with 35 seconds left on the clock. It is a massive win for UConn, who has now won four straight. They've beaten Seton Hall, they've beaten Xavier, and now they've beaten Villanova in their own building over the course of the last week. So, Sweeney, I'm going to you first on this one. Is UConn going to run to the national title now? Is, is that that's certified and locked in, right? Man, I mean, I don't know about that, but I will say this. I mean, what a confidence builder today has to be, right? Not just the fact that you won the game against the kind of standard bearer program in this conference, but the fact that you did it the way that you did it, you know, losing your head coach early in the game, dealing with that adversity, going down four with under a minute to go, having to battle back, you know, forcing a turnover against one of the most you know, steady handed teams in college basketball, and then executing down the stretch with two really outstanding play calls by Kamani Young and two great executions by, you know, the, the UConn offense. And again, you know, did it come down to a, a last second call, a block charge, you know, a 50-50 call? I think it probably, if, if I was officiating, would have been, you know, a block. Yeah, it did. But at some point, I mean, you, you got to feel really, really good if you're UConn uh, for, for the way that you, you were able to close out this ball game late uh, and build confidence heading into March. Yeah. Randolph, let me ask you this. You, you've been an assistant coach. You've taken over games where your head coach was thrown out. Uh, how... Kamani Young stepped into a situation, and, and what I was so impressed with was the composure and the confidence that he had to be able to settle his guys down. Like, Villanova went on a 6-0 run immediately there after Dan Hurley got his two technical fouls. The crowd was riled up. The players were losing their cool a little bit, and he stepped in, called them down, got them going in the right direction, called up those two place uh, designs at the end of the game. I, I just – I thought he did a terrific job. You've been in that situation. How difficult right. is it to take over – for a head coach that gets run like that in the middle of a game? Oh, it's very difficult. I think the biggest thing you got to give him credit for is, like you said, he kept the team composed and and just doing the critical times of the game, late game, that tie-up was big. It was right in front of their bench. You can tell they were yelling at the guys not to, not to foul. They had a trap going. So kudos to Kamani. I, I thought he stepped up tonight, and, and I'm not surprised. I think he's one of the next guys in line to get a head coaching job, and I think he just proved that much tonight. But that situation is really difficult because most times when that happens, the game's out of line. Like most of the time, a coach gets his second technical when it's like, all right, we're getting the crap beat out of us. They want to get thrown out anyway at that point. And it just puts the game out of, out, out of line. And uh, for him to bring those guys back just shows how well coached they are, but definitely shows a lot about Kamani, how, how much of a up-and-coming coach and head coach he should be. All right, we're welcoming in all of the people that were listening to Kansas uh, beat up on Kansas State. We're talking a little bit about UConn's win over Villanova. This is the field of 68 after dark. Rob Doster, Kevin Sweeney, Randolph Childress. You mentioned the technical fouls that Dan Hurley got. Uh, I'm a little <laughs> bit biased. People know this. I'm a UConn fan. I did not think that he deserved those technical fouls for what he did tonight. I think that that was an accumulation of the fact that uh, he may be a little bit, Dan Hurley may be a little bit grading on the officials when it comes to the way that he kind of treats them over the course of a season. And to me, this was James Breeding, who teed him up twice, basically saying, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done with you. This is it's the end of a long year. I'm done. Go, go into showers. I don't want to deal with you anymore. I won't argue with that. It looked like it. I mean, I thought the second one, I didn't know a guy could get a technical foul for cheering his team, to cheering the crowd to come on. It, it, he does that kind of stuff all the time. I mean, just you know, talking loud and, and, and kind of pumping his crowd up. So he definitely got a little, he was a little fed up with him tonight. Yeah. I mean, I think the second technical is, is crazy. Right. And it's, it's frustrating that an official kind of takes it into his hands to do something like that in a game that means that much. But I also think the first technicals kind of on 
Danny Hurley, right? Like at some point, you know, this is too important a game to be getting, you know, rung up, right? You, you can't afford to hand them two points. I mean, this, this game was decided by two points. Like, and, and, you know, this is not new for him, right? He, he's, been, he's been in these spots before. And I just think, you know, there has to be a understanding of the moment and an understanding of when it's okay to go cross the line and, and maybe get wrong to try to get your team fired up. And maybe when it's time to say, hey, look, we, we got to lose the battle to win the war. And, you know, Kamani Young did an amazing job today, but – you don't want to be at the spot of making your associate head coach when you all games, right? Like this is, you know, these are big games. These, these are you know, season defining moments and you want your head coach on the sideline and he put himself in a bad position. Today. The yeah. guys are going to be who they are though, right? They're going to be, no matter what their personality are, they're going to be, if you're laid back and reserved, they'll get on you about that. You know what you're getting. If you go watch Dan Hurley, if you're going to UConn, you know what you're getting, you know what you're playing, you're playing for. And they love them. Say what you want. They love them. And, 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 you know, was he a little extra over the top tonight? He was. Yeah, his his persona very much fits with what the UConn fan base is and the people that that root for that team and the people that go to those games. Uh, I do think though that there is room to criticize him for putting himself in a position where you're you're going to get run like that. Look, if you hit the scorers table, you're probably going to end up getting a technical foul, right? Am I right on that, RC? You've been yeah, on more no, sidelines than I have. Yeah. If you, no, if you smack the scorers table, you're probably going to get rung up. And, and let's let's be honest too. He gave him a few choice words too. <laughs> let's let's be clear about that. I'm sure he just wasn't saying you missed a call. I'm sure it was a little bit more the possession more earlier vocabulary too, put to that. It it was a buildup of things. The possession before he was getting into James breeding because of mm -hmm. a foul that was called when Brandon Slater went to the basket. He thought that UConn should have gotten one on the other end. Then they go down and Tyrese Martin. To be fair, did get fouled. Like there were two or three offensive rebounds in a row. The third one, Tyrese Martin got fouled on. Like, he got hit on the arm as he went back up to finish something. It happens all the time in these games. Dan Hurley's reaction was to smack the board. Boop, you get rung up. You get mad about it. You overreact. And then you clearly antagonize the official by getting the, the, the crowd revved up. Like, when, you, when people don't like you, like, that, that's the thing, Sweeney, you had, a, you had a great point about this, right? There needs to be a working relationship, right, between officials and coaches, right? Yes, right. And, and at some point, you have to – Again, you don't have to like the guy, right? I mean, we've all been in spots where we don't like a coworker, a you know, colleague, someone we have to deal with, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. But like, at the end of the day, you can't be at a point where you're at each other's throats all the time, and it winds up costing you know your organization, right? And, and, and you know, if Dan Hurley and, and Jay's breeding hate each other, that's cool. But you have to understand, and, and again, I'm not saying Jay's breeding blameless in this, but. If you're, you're Danny Hurley, you have to understand that, you know, your actions are going to cost your team and you have to, uh, you have to be careful. You can't keep showing up officials and then winding up in a situation where officials get mad at you and get teed up and then you say, why, right? Like you, you operate like this all season long, you set yourself up to get run in a game like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the way I feel about it as well. Um, what do you make of uh, UConn moving forward, Randall? I, I've always liked their team, but I, I worry about them come late game tonight. And we talked about this before. I, you know, I joked about you being a UConn fan, and I, but we said it today. I, I, they'll go as far as R.J. Cole take that. I, that's what I said to you earlier today. And then it's ironic. He closes the game out tonight. And against the better teams, didn't happen as much tonight. He played great, and, they, and so much at stake. 
but he made the right play with the tie-up. But they still struggle, and they get predictable with him. I think he teams just focusing on him, make another guy beat you or handle it late game. I, I just don't like how they'll get in. I don't think they'll go very far. I don't see them getting through the first weekend. Sweeney? I think I'm a believer, you know, especially with the way that Sonogo played today, right? I mean, Eric Dixon took it to – UConn in the first meeting. I think he had 24 and 12, and it's a huge reason why Villanova won that game. And I thought the UConn's front court kind of took it personal, and Adamas Nogo came out and played a really good ball game. He had 20 points, six rebounds, three assists, two blocks. Like he played uh, as complete a game as I've seen from him. Uh, and I think when you have that level of an anchor uh, on the block combined with you know, some guys who can space the floor, and then a point guard like RJ Cole, who has made big plays and proved again tonight that he can be a clutch shot maker, you have a chance to really make some noise, right? They're physical. They're, they're big and strong defensively. They can really guard and win a game on that end of the floor. But they have enough weapons, I think, as, as, as Cole continues to uh, establish himself as a really good lead guard, as Sonogo continues to establish himself as a guy you don't want to mess with on the block, and then all the wings that they have. I, I think they have enough to really be a dangerous team in March and make a run to the second weekend. So, uh, go ahead, Rob. I want to ask you this. If you're, you guys, I know you say you like UConn. I know you do, Rob. Give me a third score that you can count on come a tournament game or any game going forward, even in a Big East tournament. Who's going to be your third score on that team? They, they need it to be Tyrese Mark. And he hit a couple shots tonight. He was not finishing stuff at the basket tonight. Um, here, here's, here's my biggest thing with UConn uh, is that it's been, it's been late game execution, right? The reason yes. why they are so high up in the Ken Palm rankings, they were favored tonight. They won by two against Villanova, and they did not cover the spread. It was two and a half when it closed at Bet Rivers. Um, the reason why they are ranked so high in the in the metrics and they're so high on Ken Palm and their efficiency is so good is because they lose all these close games where they can't execute in a final possession, where they're not able to scheme something up. You, I think back to uh, the the overtime loss to Seton Hall. Um, I think back to final possessions against Michigan State uh, in, in the Bahamas. Um, I think back to the the final possession against West Virginia, where, where they, it was just a horrific final possession. They lose by three tonight was the opposite of that, right? There were a couple of bad possessions with two minutes left, but in the last 30 seconds, Kamani drew up two fantastic sets. One of them got Tyler Polly coming off of a pin down. He knocked down a three. The other one created an open side ball screen for RJ Cole to get to his right hand. And he finished. Um, hopefully that's the kind of thing that can create a little bit of confidence in moments like that. Like that's, I don't, I've said this before. They have enough guys and enough talent and enough ability and enough athletes and enough players that are just tough as hell to compete with anybody in college basketball this year. I truly believe that anybody in college basketball, those dudes are going to be able to compete with them at the very least. If they show up to play, they'll be able to compete. Um, they win because they're going to either punk you on the glass, they're going to force turnovers, or they're going to make your life miserable defensively. That's when they're at their best, when they can take advantage of the fact that they have better physical tools than anybody else. They don't have a ton of guys that are great when it comes to feel, which kind of puts you in a situation where they run. I mean, RC, you watch it tonight, man. Like they run set after set after set after set with counter after counter after everything is everything is drawn up, everything's dialed up. They don't have a ton of guys that just play. And I think what happens when you get to a final possession, you need to create offense out of sets. And it's much more difficult to do that when you have a set defense, someone can throw a curveball at you, whatever it is. So seeing them actually be able to make plays in the clutch in a final moment is the kind of thing I think is a difference maker for this group. Cause they're going to be in, in every game that they show up to play. And I can't imagine an NCAA tournament game where they don't show up to play. And, and, and I, 
seeing them do that tonight is 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 a very 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 good sign i think moving forward the only thing i say again and i'll say this about that team is rj cole got it done tonight to close it for him the concern i have is when people are scheming saying i'm not gonna let rj cole beat me and that's the same thing we're talking about. You said several times in those late games. Providence game was that way. We talked about that after the Providence game. Providence maybe pulled away at the very end, but that was a really close game. Nobody really no, – I'll say this. No one else seemed to want the ball when it matters. Exactly. And he's just chasing it, and he's going to get it. It just makes it more predictable. If one of these other guards or someone else steps up and just shows they want the ball, they don't have to be a playmaker. Just show you want it, like, you know, and, and step up and take shots then this team can go far. But I, I, I've seen it too many times, and that's my only concern with them of doing real damage in the tournament or even the Big East tournament for that matter. Now, the question moving forward for the Huskies is whether or not they can build on this, right? I think Sunday might be the biggest trap game in the history of trap games for the Huskies. Uh, UConn goes from winning an absolute thriller at home in one of the best environments that we've seen in the state of Connecticut uh, this decade to playing a rival on the road that happens to be winless in league play with a road game, a revenge game at Creighton coming up on the horizon uh, next week. This is, it has all the makings of a trap game. This is exactly the kind of game that you overlook. This is exactly the kind of game that you don't get up for. Uh, UConn needs to get up for it. We've seen what they are when they don't show up ready to play. It's not a pretty sight. Show up ready to play on Sunday. Um, and look, it's not just the trap game, man. Uh, playing at Creighton, that team has figured some things out this year. They are the best defensive team in the Big East, full stop. The best defensive team in the Big East. They have two guys on that team that can win a game on their own, and Ryan Hawkins and Ryan Nembhard. They have a rim protector at the five and Ryan Kalkbrenner that allows them to get out and pressure on the perimeter. They have a guy in Kalkbrenner that can kind of take away what Adama Snogo wants to do. And they play in an arena that holds 17,000 crazy Nebraskans in it. They have a coach that is one of the best in the league. There is a reason why Creighton right now is tied with UConn for third place in the Big East regular season standings. That said, I also don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if they lost, right? The, the, winning the Big East tournament is, is the priority for us if we're going to win something in the Big East this season. Finishing fourth means that we likely end up getting Providence in the semis instead of Villanova in the semis. It's going to be a war in the garden, however it shakes out, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if we don't see Villanova potentially until the title game. Give one other team a chance to knock them off in the garden before we have to face them. It's not terrible, uh, but that's neither here nor there because UConn just landed the biggest win for this program since Shabazz Napier beat Kentucky in April of 2014, since they won their fourth national title. You know, I, I always go back to this. Dan Hurley said this a couple of years ago. You better get us now because it's coming. Guess what? It's here now.